Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain co-editor Dave Schofield coming at you for your first BTSC podcast of the month of April. We are in the draft month. It, it is here. We are actually exactly four weeks away from the NFL draft. We are also on that day that is that weird first of April day that uh, I don't like at all. Honestly, I'm, I'm not a big fan. I'm not even going to mention what it is. I will tell you this. You are not going to hear me feeding you a bunch of misinformation and then say it's funny. Now, I do get a kick out of other things that people do. Like, uh, I know, I don't know if there's going to be one this year or not, but I know in years past, I've enjoyed quite the comical um, draft Mock draft by one Tony Defio at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, um, that has come out on this day. I know one happened last year because uh, I, I I made sure it specifically was scheduled that day. Uh, I loved it. I don't know if we have anything um, like that with the website on Thursday. I, I hope if there is, it's not anything that would cause any doubt as to whether or not it was serious or not, but, uh, not me. I'm not going to sit here and tell you a bunch of stuff and then say, Oh, ha ha ha. It's a, I'm not even going to say the words that. So that's just me. That's the way I roll. But all I know is that 
in four weeks from today, we are going to wake up knowing that it's the first round of the NFL draft that night. The Steelers are scheduled to pick at selection 24. I say that because there's always a chance they could move. I'm going to say, and I don't want to have to go back on this. We should know at least one new member of the Pittsburgh Steelers that night. Now, the problem is what happens if they decide they want to trade back and gain capital and things like that. It's possible Steelers haven't traded back since, I'm pretty sure, 2001 with Casey Hampton. I think it was 01. And it was only, I they traded back, I think, three spots. So um, it would be unprecedented in, un, under this current I almost said administration. I guess I'll go with administration, you know, meaning Kevin Colbert and specifically Mike Tomlin too, but we'll even just say Kevin Colbert. They've never traded back in the first round under coach Tomlin and they've only done it once with Kevin Colbert. So I'm not looking for that to happen. I'm excited for it because I just want to know who that person is that's going to get that Steelers hat. They're going to get that call from coach Tomlin and they're going to be a part of this team. I can't wait to know who those players are. It's to me, it's more exciting even than when you you get the free agent signings, Um, which like, Oh my goodness. Last weekend with Tyson Alualu, talk about being blindsided. I was looking around on Twitter, trying to see if it was a troll that put it out there, you know, where they made a fake account. I'm like, this just seems insane. We had written Tyson Alawalu off as being gone. And then all of a sudden it's resurrected. But um, it's those kind of feelings that when you get that new, new player, knowing that someone's going to be in the black and gold this year, it's exciting. And so that's, that's a lot of fun with the draft. I just like, like I said, more than anything, I just want to know who the players are. I don't, I, I don't want to fall in love with any player that ends up in purple or orange. Um, so that's why I'd rather just know who it is, but here's what we're going to be doing today. Good, serious numbers, no jokes, no fooling you. Um, that I'm getting back to some questions that I was asked that I was going to do last week, but then I was, it, I really felt like I needed to do the update that I did last week because it was just giving the salary numbers and everything else and how it all played out. It just seemed to be appropriate. So I'm back to these questions and I'm kind of glad that I did. Cause with the, with the extra week, I didn't think these two questions were related that I'm going to be talking about today only to find out that, yeah, they are a little bit. So the first one that we're going to look at, it's dealing with the offensive line. And unfortunately, when it comes to offensive line, unless you're looking at penalties or things of that nature, there's not a lot of statistical data other to go by other than just looking at how they rank statistically, mainly through pro football focus is what we'll be looking at. I know it's not, you know, you can, you can take their rankings um, for what they're worth. I've always said with those rankings, the closer you are to the line of scrimmage and the football, you know, meaning talking offensive line and defensive line, the more I trust the value because you don't have to question as much. I mean, it's really hard with the secondary. You don't know what the assignment is. You don't know if someone's trying to cover for somebody else messing up what they're supposed to be doing, and then they're credited for making a bad play. They might be making a good play to just keep you know, something to a 35 yard gain rather than an 80 yard touchdown. So 
those are a little bit harder to do. But I, I think when you get down when like in the trenches where you know that the guys are basically smashing the guys in front of them, it's a little bit easier to judge um, their rankings. And that's really all we have. So the question this time, it comes from our buddy, Brian Haynes, which if you've ever been in one of our uh, YouTube live chats, that is Captain Underpants. And he reached out to me on Twitter and he said, hey, Dave, it seems like our biggest issue in the run game is the line. Stats wise, how was our line compared to other years? I was curious if you could check last year against our three Super Bowl lines, see how bad it really was. I took a little bit farther. I didn't just check it against the Steelers Super Bowl lines because the problem is the rankings don't go back that that far. You know, I, PFF, I think, has been around since I think they started in 2004, really started to get traction in 2006. I just couldn't get the data for the season um, anywhere before 2010. I went back to 2010 because that was the best data I could get. So what I decided to do instead is don't I don't want to just compare the Steelers line to their to their Super Bowls. Why don't I compare the Steelers line and how they rank to the teams that were in the Super Bowl each year? To me, I think that makes a little bit more sense. So that's what I decided to do with that, Brian. And I'll bring up a little bit more of what happened. So let's let's check the numbers. Although, remember, these are rankings. So therefore, it, it means that they're not based off of pure statistics. They're based off of grading a performance. I have to give that just because being the numbers guy... I've, I've got to make sure I say it. So let's let's start with the most recent and work our way backwards. Because I also wanted to see if there was a trend when it came to the Super Bowl. You know, are your best offensive lines the ones that go to the Super Bowl? Are they the ones that win the Super Bowl? How about the two Super Bowl teams? Is the better line always win? Sometimes when you go in search of numbers, your answer is there's not a trend. <laughs> and that's what we're going to find out. So let's start with 2020. Okay. The Pittsburgh Steelers ended the season ranked 17th with their offensive line. And you're probably like, wow, that's really generous. It's because they have a high pass rating. Now I didn't write down the individual pass and run ratings for all of these. Um, just because it, I couldn't gather them in um, from all the different places that I had to, I had to look up each year individually. This, this took some time. So they were 17th this year, mainly because they were not very good with run blocking. They were much better with pass blocking. Um, and when we answer the other question, you'll see how that works a little bit. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they had the fifth high ranked offensive line for the season, while the Kansas City Chiefs were 11th, which is funny because if you were to look at the offensive line of the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl, you would even think that the Steelers were way better. They could not protect Patrick Mahomes. They were dealing with a bunch of injuries. And all this is based off the regular season. Just, just so you know, it's based off the regular season, how these teams did in the regular season moved on. So Pittsburgh, not the best this year. The lines were better in the Super Bowl of the Super Bowl teams. Not so in 2019, where the Steelers were the ninth best offensive line. And in the Super Bowl, the winning team, the Kansas City Chiefs, they were ranked 16th. So they were actually ranked worse as an offensive line the year they won the Super Bowl versus last year whenever they lost the Super Bowl. And they defeated the 14th best offensive line in the San Francisco 49ers. In 2018, here you go, um, Pittsburgh was ranked number one. They were the top offensive line in the NFL in 2018. 
which had them obviously better than the two Super Bowl teams. New England won the Super Bowl. Don't remind me. Um, but they were ranked fourth, and they defeated the Los Angeles Rams, who were ranked sixth. So you're talking about some high-quality offensive lines in the Super Bowl in 2018. 2019, middle of the pack. 2017, this was a very different year. This was, I will t- I'll, spoiler alert, going back to 2010. So I, that's even 11 seasons, not even 10 seasons. Um, going back to 2010, this is the only year where the top-ranked offensive line won the Super Bowl. And that was the Philadelphia Eagles. They were ranked number one. They won the Super Bowl over the third-ranked New England Patriots. I don't mind saying that name whenever they're losing the Super Bowl. Um, and Pittsburgh was 12th in 2017. So what's if you look back at you know you, uh, at 2020 and 2017, where the last two years the Steelers made the last two times they were in the playoffs, they were 17th in 2020. 12th in 2017, they had better ranked offensive lines the two years they didn't make the postseason. So that's a little bit of an indicator there that they didn't have, you know, they didn't make the postseason, but they had a better ranked offensive line. It doesn't seem kind of right there. So let's keep going because these numbers get kind of crazy. 2016, now remember, that's the last time the Steelers have won a playoff game and they won two of them that year. Um, They were the third best offensive line in the NFL. Better than the Super Bowl teams. New England, unfortunately, won the Super Bowl, ranked 10th over Atlanta, who was ranked 6th. So this was the first time, 2016 was the last time the higher-ranked offensive line of the two Super Bowl teams didn't win. Although we all know, 28-3, to and oh my goodness, Julio Jones catches an amazing catch to get in field goal range to seal the game, and then they give up, was it a sack in the penalty, you know, to move them out of range. Would have won the game. Anyway, sorry. So in other words, unless they royally screwed it up or else the better offensive line of in that game would have won the game. 2015 is when, is when things go crazy. This was a very interesting year. And we'll talk about that when we answer the, the, the second question um, in the second part. And that is the, the, the Steelers were ranked 10th in the NFL for their line. The losing team in the Super Bowl was the Carolina Panthers. They were ranked second in the NFL. And the Super Bowl winning team was the 20th ranked Denver Broncos. 20th ranked Denver Broncos. So bottom line is, if you look at at from 2020 back to 2016, you had decent offensive lines where the worst one was 16th in KC last year of the teams that made it to the Super Bowl. Then in 2015, you had a not a good offensive line beating a good offensive line. You're going to see a trend move continue like that as we go on. Because you go to 2014, the Steelers were the eighth best offensive line, but the two teams playing in the Super Bowl was the, the winner was New England, ranked 23rd. They beat the 19th ranked Seattle Seahawks. So two offensive lines ranked in the bottom half of the NFL made the Super Bowl. In 2013, it was even worse. Uh, well, when it came to the winner, because it was Seattle, who was the 27th ranked offensive line, beat the third ranked offensive line in the Denver Broncos. Steelers were middle of the pack that year. They were 15th in the NFL. The year before, and so I'm still going back, 2012. Hey, I got the numbers. Might as well give them to you. It was Baltimore. They won the Super Bowl as the 17th best offensive line. 
beat the top offensive line in the NFL, the San Francisco 49ers. And the Steelers were, they were, they were bad. They were the 25th offensive line in 2012. In 2011, here you go. The 31st ranked New York Giants won the Super Bowl against the third ranked offensive line of the New England Patriots, while the Steelers were once again ranked 25th. So as you can see, when you got to 2015 and earlier, the offensive line numbers were all over the place. That that wasn't what was getting teams to the Super Bowl when winning the Super Bowl. And you got to go back one more for sure, because it included the Steelers. The Steelers went to the Super Bowl and unfortunately did not bring home the trophy. Um, They were taking on the 12th best offensive line in the Green Bay Packers. And the Steelers were not successful as the 32nd ranked offensive line. You heard me. Dead last. So the last time the Steelers were in the Super Bowl, they were the last ranked offensive line in the NFL. What? (laughs) I was like... This is, especially being a former offensive lineman myself, a former offensive line coach, this angered me. I don't like this. That the Steelers, when they had a terrible offensive line, was the last time they made the Super Bowl, when they were ranked dead last. Now, I tried to look at 2008, couldn't find any you know, league-wide PFF rankings. I did find rankings somewhere else. I can't remember who they were. I can't give give credit to that. But they were ranked like 25th in the run and 28th in the pass in the year they won the Super Bowl. So there's no way they're going to be ranked very, you know, high in that year as well. So they had, their line was in the bottom quarter of the league as well in 2008. So even though when the Steelers improved the offensive line, it didn't matter as much when it came to actually succeeding and getting and winning the Super Bowl. It's insane. It doesn't seem right. Now, like I said, these are all rankings. That's what they are. So I'm going to turn this, turn this into the next question that I had from a user when we come back from the break, where their question was about Ben Roethlisberger and how few times he was sacked as a starting quarterback last year. So I decided, okay, we're going to look at that and we're going to compare it to the to the quarterbacks that started the Super Bowl, how they were sacked during the regular season, and compare those type of numbers. So we're going to take a quick break. That's what we're going to talk about here um, when we come back. So stick around after this commercial. We'll be right back with more stats. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, we're back with the second half of Steeler Stat Geek. It is April 1st, and I am giving you real numbers, not crazy ones. Although, if you want to listen to me in the in the last section, um, the <laughs> The, the worst ranked offensive line the Steelers have had 
in the last 11 seasons was the one that went to the Super Bowl. It's crazy. You know, they have, in no joke, in a nine-year span, they have had the top-ranked offensive line and the worst offensive line. The worst offensive line was the one that went to the Super Bowl, and the top-ranked offensive line was the one that did not make the postseason in 2018. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. So this sometimes the numbers don't line up. But now we have another question, which I'm tying these two together, but simply because I can. This question comes from Thaddeus Kennedy, um, an, another person that if you catch our, uh, our live shows on YouTube, he'll be in the live chat quite often. Um, he said, this was his question. He said, you know, he's got a stack geek question for me. This came via email. Ben was sacked a total of 13 times last season, as far as he could see in starting 15 games. Doesn't, said he didn't know if that reflected the playoff loss, and it didn't. And he said, how does that rank among other quarterbacks who have started an entire season? And he says, I'm sure you could talk about quick release numbers in there with that, but just wanted to throw the idea out there. You know what? I'm not even going to go with the quick release numbers. Um, That's doing what you got to do to not get sacked or what you have to do to be successful. Why you're not getting sacked isn't the issue. So this this is actually a number that helps compare. It's not all on the offensive line, but it does actually give you an indication of the job being done by the offensive line. So that's why this is good to group these together. So we're going to look at quarterbacks getting sacked. Now, here's what I did. I I made a stipulation to this. You had to start at least eight games. The quarterback had to start at least eight games in order to qualify um, for where I was comparing him overall. Um, Yes, I went back to 1970, and I know in 1977 and before there was only 12 games, but still, that I just, to be fair, because I was looking at sacks per start, this is what this what I ultimately compared. Regular season, sacks per start. Ben Roethlisberger's sacks per game started in 2020 was .867. The last time there was a quarterback who started at least eight games in a season that had a sacks per game started under one like Ben Roethlisberger did this past year was 2009. So it is, so in other words, over 10 years since a quarterback started at least half the regular season games for a team and got sacked Less than one time per game in, uh, you know, and now they could have been sacked in games. They didn't start. I didn't go through and cycle those out. I just looked at sacks, how many times they were sacked during the season and how many starts they had. Just being completely honest with how I figured out these numbers. Those two quarterbacks in 2009 were Peyton Manning, who had the best one. He was sacked 10 times in 16 starts in 2009. That is for a 0.625 sacks per start. So that's pretty impressive. The other one was Vince Young. He was sacked nine times in 10 starts for, you know, that's obviously if you can figure out the math, nine divided by 10, that's 0.9. So that wasn't even as good as Roethlisberger, but that was the last time anyone was under that. Now, the year before that, Drew Brees was under. I can't remember exactly what the number was because I didn't write it down because it wasn't the most recent. I will also tell you this. This goes back to 1970. The best, the best ever. 
would be a ratio of, I actually, I didn't actually calculate it. I, I just wrote down what it was because it was six sacks, sacks six times in 16 games for 0.375 sacks per start was Dan Marino in 1988. Started all 16 games and was only sacked six times. That's very impressive. Now, you want to know the worst? <laughs> the worst is it's, well, let's just say this. Um, I didn't look at someone who didn't start quite as many games. I just looked at the player that's been, that was sacked the most in a season where they were sacked 4.75 times per game within 16 starts where poor David Carr was sacked 76 times in 2002, the first year of the Houston Texans. And in fact, David Carr is the only player in NFL history going back to 1970. I'm sure there's none before that, even though they might have, they didn't throw as much, didn't play as many games, yada, yada, yada. But David Carr was sacked 76 times in 2002 and 68 times in 2005. He is the only player that has been sacked more than 63 times in a season, and it happened twice. Yikes. But anyway, let's go back and compare these numbers. So Ben Roethlisberger, 0.867 sacks per start. There was another close one. There was another player that only had 13 there was only sacked 13 times this year, but the problem was he only started 12 games. So it was just over one. That was Drew Brees. So that was 1.08. He was really close. That's like the closest anyone's been in the last 10 years. So, but if you want to look at these, I compared these to the two quarterbacks that started in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes, the runner up, he was sacked 1.47 times per start in the regular season, while Tom Brady was sacked 1.31 times. So, Interesting that the player that was sacked less times per start in the regular season won the Super Bowl. You know what? It also happened in 2019. To compare to the Steelers, it was not Ben Roethlisberger. It was Mason Rudolph. He was sacked 15 times. He played in 10 games, but I did per start. So I had to divide by 18. So it was 1.88. The Super Bowl winning quarterback was uh, Mahomes. He was sacked 1.21 um, times per start, where Garoppolo was sacked 2.25 times per start. Um, 2018, Ben was only sacked 1.5 times per start. Uh, Brady won the Super Bowl at 1.31, and Jared Goff was the runner-up with 2.06. So hmm, that's an interesting trend that uh, the, 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 play, the quarterback that was sacked less times per start in the regular season had been winning the Super Bowl. You know what? It continues. 2017, Ben was at 1.4. I had to expand this out because the, the the winning Super Bowl quarterback only started three games in the regular season with Nick Foles because of the injury to Carson Wentz. But that was at 1.67. And the uh, Tom Brady, he was sacked 2.19 times. Then in 2016, Ben Roethlisberger, 1.21 sacks per start. Where... Um, Brady in the Super Bowl was 1.25 and Matt Ryan was 2.31. If you're noticing the the winning team is this is an interesting stat that that, that um that's developing is that the winning team is a quarter is where the quarterback was sacked less times per game started during the regular season. Hmm. 2015 Ben Roethlisberger was 1.82. That was the highest he had been um going backwards in his career. Um, because he was sacked 20 times in 11 starts. Uh, Peyton Manning 
was one um, was one point seven eight, and Cam Newton, um, Super Bowl runner up, was two point oh six. Then in 2014, that's where we got a big jump with the Steelers. That's when it was over two. Uh, ben was 2.06. So it was since 2014 that the Steelers had done much a much better job of not taking the sacks, particularly by their starting quarterback. Um, in the Super Bowl, it was Tom Brady at 1.31 and Russell Wilson with 2.63. 2013, Ben Roethlisberger, was, well, it was even higher for him, 2.63. Okay? This was the year that shouldn't have been. This was the one that finally throws it off all the way back to 2013 because Russell Wilson was sacked 2.75 times uh, during the regular season per start, and Peyton Manning was 1.13 because he was not taking a lot of sacks in 2013 and when they fell to Seattle in the Super Bowl. Uh, Just to finish it out, 2012, Ben was 2.31. Joe Flacco was 2.19, and Colin Kaepernick did not start eight games. He only started seven, but in those seven starts, it was 2.28. And then in 2011, Ben's was even higher, is 2.67. That was um, the highest he had been. He also did it. It was the same number in 2010. I'll get to that soon. Um, Eli Manning was 1.75, and Tom Brady was 2.0. So with the exception of the oh, – oh, let's do 2010. Um, ben Roethlisberger was 2.67 once again when they were in the Super Bowl, and Aaron Rodgers was 2.07. So – it's very interesting with one exception in there in the past 11 years that I went back through. If you want to look at the Super Bowl, look at which quarterback was sacked less times per start during the regular season. And they won 10 out of the 11 Super Bowls. If you look at them going in now, it doesn't mean that the player that was sacked the least amount of times per start made it to the Super Bowl. But uh, it's kind of interesting just to kind of see how that goes. I compared it to the Super Bowl just because we were looking at offensive line numbers because when it comes to giving up sacks, it's not all on the offensive line, but it has a lot to do with them. And it's not all on the quarterback. It's got a lot to do with them, though. So it's it's just – and it has a lot to do with the offensive philosophy. Are you throwing quick passes or are you throwing long passes? Things of that nature. Um, much like I talked about on the Scobro show Tuesday night that I said with the running game comes down to, you know, three things. Running back, offensive line, scheme. Same here with taking sacks. It comes down to quarterback – Offensive line, scheme, those three things all work together. So it's crazy. You can see that the Steelers have really improved. I mean, they were 2.67 the year they made it to the Super Bowl of how many times Ben Roethlisberger was sacked per start because it was 32 times in 12 games. Um, And it's just gotten, with the exception of the Mason Rudolph year, um, it's gotten much better, almost progressively better year by year. But I mean, once they got since 2014, it's been less than twice a game. That's pretty good. So even with this, you know, with the Steelers not known to have the best running attack and things like that, they have been doing a good job of protecting the quarterback. So we've got just a a couple minutes left in the show. I wanted to to hit on one last thing. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have an article about this out today, Thursday. Um, kind of updating the compensatory draft picks for next season where they could where they're standing right now through free agency because I'm not going to call them out specifically but there was a member of the Pittsburgh media that that put some bad information out there on social media um twofold uh 
they said that the Steelers were no longer in line for any compensatory picks because of the gains and losses, which is true. It is net gains and net losses, even though Bud Dupree comes in as a third round draft pick um, based on his thing. If the Steelers gain a bunch of seventh round draft picks, they could cancel out the third round pick. It's a, it's a player for player cancelization. Now the NFL could award if there's like a major net loss, like in salary, but that hasn't happened very often and it's not going to be nearly as high of a pick. But what they said is that the, is, is that they had equal losses to equal gains. And that's actually not true. And then another thing that they said was that it could be manipulated in season, like when the Steelers cut Dante Moncrief two years ago to still get their third round pick after LJ Fort was cut by the Eagles and didn't count as a loss anymore. The Steelers needed to cut a gain. That's not true either. Because with the new CBA, they took out that whole week 10 stipulation that they had put in there. Right now, the only date is the Monday after the draft, that that's the only date in the new CBA. That is why Sean Davis still counted as a loss for the Steelers last year because he left and went to Washington. Now, Washington cut him, and then he came back to Pittsburgh. Didn't matter, but it was it was gains and losses at that date. Now, then things after that date, like the playing time and the awards and stuff like that, still factor into the equation. But whether or not a player is or isn't a compensatory free agent is set at that date. So if the Steelers sign somebody after that date, it's not going to count. So that so it can't be manipulated in season like it was before. And the other thing is they are not looking at be about not being eligible because of losses in game. Uh, this person specifically said their losses were Dupree, Filer, Adenier, and Hilton. And that their gains were Balage, Haig, Killebrew, and Coward. The problem is, not every player counts. We already know that street free agents don't count. They didn't include the gain of BJ Finney, which was wise. But if your salary isn't enough, you don't qualify as a compensatory free agent. So if if you're a veteran benefit salary, like, like Killebrew, boom, you're not a compensatory free agent. Also. According to Over the Cap, right now the cutoff is looking like it's going to be around $2 million because per season because your salary has to be in the top 35 of the league in order to be a compensatory free agent. So these guys that the Steelers have signed, the only one that we know for sure is a gain is Haig, and he's a seventh-round pick. Balage and Coward? We're not sure what their salaries are yet, but chances are, unless they're getting paid more than $2 million a year, then they're not going to count. And I'm telling you, I don't think they're, I don't think the Steelers will pay either of those player, players that much. They might have, but I doubt it. Now, also, but the Steelers don't have four losses either. They only have three. The numbers aren't out yet, but chances are Ola Denier going to Tennessee is not going to have enough of a yearly salary that he will that he will count as a compensatory free agent. So just wanted to clear that up out there. So actually right now, what the article is going to say is that the Steelers are still in line for two. Pending finding out exactly what these salaries are, it could go down to one if if someone like Balage, that's how I was told to pronounce his name rather than Balage, um, if, if his salary goes over $2 million per year, but I really don't think that that's what the Steelers did. Um, but it's possible. So just wanted to get that information out to you. And as always, 
I just love being here, giving you the numbers. Uh, hope it wasn't too confusing today. Hopefully it was a lot of fun. The, all these numbers were legit. I was not fooling on you when I told you that the worst ranked offensive line the Steelers have had in the last 11 years is the one that went to the Super Bowl and that their top ranked offensive, the, the highest ranked offensive line they've had didn't make the playoffs. That happened. That's what, that, that's for real. So, um, just thank you so much for listening. I mean, I know Jeff has his 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 ride or die crew that he has, which I'm one of those. I, I don't miss a show with with Jeff Hartman on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, I don't know if we if we're like a geek squad or something. I'm not going to start that because there'll probably only be like three of us. So uh, I I don't necessarily want to go there. But I do want to thank you so much for listening. And remember, we have tons of great content at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Tons of podcasts coming out for you. Make sure you're checking them all out. And just thanks for being with me today, and thanks for geeking out with me. We'll see you next time. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.